essence of this episode is for five years from now. That's what I think. That's what you think? Yeah. Okay. I mean, think about it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but it's great to have a structure, bro. Honestly. No, I agree. I mean, because most of the no, time, this is nice because then it gives you a chance to kind of think about it. You don't ask a question, you go, oh, well, and I give you some ramble bullshit answer. Like I have a time to like a little process a little bit. Yep. Think about an answer and you know, actually just because I feel like sometimes you get asked a question and you're not ready for it, and your initial sure. your answer isn't going to be what your answer actually what would be. Yeah, that can happen for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, and most of the times when we do have uh, special guests. We end up asking what makes sense in that moment, you know? That's what I feel. Where we could have asked, let's let's take the Ferdinand example, right? There's a hundred thousand things you could have asked for esports. But we were kind of playing off of what he was giving at the moment. It's pretty authentic. It is, it is. But also, as he says, like some structure, not structure. You know what I mean? Not not like scripted. Yeah. I should say. You know? A blueprint. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw curves out curve balls. No, go ahead. Potentially, I mean off the wazoo. Well, hola, this is Martin or Mijail Martin Elenes de los Palos for our Spanish speakers out there. And I am joined today by the overwhelming force that is the Rodina. What does your name mean? I've Martin? Been, I've been, no. <laughs> or, wait, or my real name? The five names that you that you rattle off <laughs> to your Spanish speaking friends. Oh, Jaime Martinez de los Palos. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all those. All, all, <laughs> all that, of the above. All that. That whole paragraph. Like, what is that? Well, one of these days, my friend, we will get into that. But for today, how about you do me the honor of introducing our very special guest today? We have a very unique guest. He uh, he was uh, kind enough to join us on our very first po- podcast, mm-hmm. and we thought ages ago. Ages ago. Uh, yeah, actually, a few months ago. Yeah. And he's back, Mr. Eric Spear. Welcome back in the house, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be uh, a part of this. Uh, you'll have to excuse my voice a little bit. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, but other than that, uh, no, I'm excited to be here. It's an honor to have you, my friend. Um, you know, guys, just like Rodino said, um, you know, we've only been around for a couple of months now, like the second month now. Uh, but we're very excited, you know, we, we found that people are, when you get them in a situation where they can be genuine and just talk about who who they are, what they think, what they're aspiring to, we're ending up finding such like little gems out here. Absolutely, know? absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Rodino, if you don't mind, just start us off, man. Uh, I mean, Eric, there's so much to know about you, but let's just start where it all began. What was it like growing up in Oregon? Uh, you know, I think just like with anything else, you don't really realize uh, how much you appreciate something or, or the value of something until, until it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so growing up in Oregon is a very, very uh, friendly place. It's the kind of place you walk down the street, people wave at you, you know, you wave back, you don't know them, but you just, it's a friendly kind of place. Uh, I grew up in, uh, in a neighborhood where you know all the kids got together, we rode our bikes around all day, nice. and it, you, you actually got to experience being a kid. You know, I, I feel like some of that's kind of lost on us now, and we don't kind of have that same culture to where that is something that even the kids nowadays get get to really experience. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally, you, you know. <clears throat> If it was after school or, you know, when we weren't playing sports and things like that, uh, say summertime, it was literally, you know, 
get on your bike in the morning and just be back before dark kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, uh, we'd ride around. We uh, lived close to, you know, kind of wooded areas. So uh, growing up, we did a lot of, um, you know, kind of going out and uh fort building we'd build forts we'd uh cut we would cut down our own bows and make bow and arrows uh you know and and stuff like that you know like uh it, it was uh a neighborhood that was kind of being developed at the time so like i said there's a lot of wooded areas around that and i mean we just explored and mm -hmm. and got to run around but but oregon's a real unique place in the sense that it kind of has all of the biomes uh so you could go a half an hour and be at the beach uh, you could go, you know, a few hours and be at the, the mountain skiing. You obviously have the city. Uh, and then you have about three, three and a half hours. You're in a desert kind of environment. In the and desert, really? Yeah. It's, uh, I didn't called, know that at all. Yeah, it's called high desert. Um, you know, so it's, it, it'll be snow in the wintertime and then, you know, sunny in the, uh, you know, in the, in the summertime. Uh, sun kind of year-round, uh, but it's considered a uh, high desert area. And then, uh, you know, and then you obviously have the lakes and the rivers and everything. So you really have a little bit of everything uh, there, and uh, it's a beautiful place. Did anybody, but, did anybody ever get hurt with these bone arrow? You're making bows, so I'm sure people are getting shot at. Like, shot at, for sure. Uh, anybody, nothing, any, any hospital nothing runs? Nothing of merit. I mean, I've <laughs> had my fair share of injuries in my, in my day. Uh, Except for one I will. I mean, uh, like, nobody... <laughs> <laughs> nobody lost an eye. Nobody lost a limb. You know, nothing, nothing major to to report there. But, um, but you know, uh, it, it does rain a lot. That's why it's so green. That's why it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But growing up, you didn't realize how much it actually rained until again you leave it and you come to a place like Nevada and it's sunshine. You know, literally year round. And you go back there and you get a little bit of rain. And you go, yeah, I don't know if I like this so much. So this we've kind of been experiencing. Yeah, you know, rain here the last couple of days. The so last three days is what it's like about every nine day. months out of the year. That wow. sounds awful. It no, is. Why do people live there? Why are so awful. many people flocking? Like, Our yeah. headquarters is there, mind you, and there are so many people leaving well, Los beautiful. Angeles to it's go to beautiful. Portland. I went like, up there in 2008. It's beautiful. It's like walking into a uh, Lord of the Rings movie. That was my experience. That I went sounds to, uh, horrifying. What? Yeah, people keep, like animals oh, without, chasing without you. Without the orcs. Without the orcs. Without the orcs. I mean. A perfect example is when I first moved here, the first time I went back, I literally was taking pictures of all of the trees. Mind you, I lived there my entire life, but just the canopies and the trees and the greenery, it, it you know, I was in awe of it. But again, when you when you live there, it just it's so second nature that you don't even realize the beauty of it uh, because it's it's just part of the scenery. You know, you learn to play, you learn to. Um, use the rain as i mean it's it's just a part of life yeah. i mean they always say you can spot uh, somebody that's not from oregon by uh, the fact that they have an umbrella uh you know I, i'll be driving down the street and watch somebody literally no not even a hood on and just wearing the rain and that's just the oregon mentality you play sports in the rain you work in the rain anything that you do outdoors you just get used to doing it in the rain well, you can't really stop if it rains as, as often as you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, kind of like going, going moving forward on, on, on that train of thought with the whole, like, you know, weather being as it is. I know that in, at some point you guys, you, you used to work in a nursery. Um, there's some background Yeah, that. so. Some family family business going on back there? Correct. My grandfather started a tree nursery uh, and 
my you know my father ran that uh, my you know my whole childhood and then I was third generation into into the farming business so farming was always uh, it, it was always kind of fun because we had a place to go that was just our own land and we could you know ride motorcycles shoot guns you know it was kind of our own place and in our own little world and you know and so I had that unique experience growing up to be able to experience that and um, you know I was very fortunate to to have that uh, but yeah I, I um, a lot of people don't know that, know that about me but I was a farmer for 11 years before getting into you know digital marketing that's so awesome it's like kind of going from one end to the spectrum <clears throat> to the other one right what like, kind of seasons are like that when you're I mean, it's just trees and plants? Like what? Yeah, so we grew uh, deciduous, which means they lose their leaves, shade and flowering trees. Uh, and so we would dig them bare, bare root. So we had a digger that would literally go down and uh, underneath the roots and dig them up. And so their roots were exposed, and we'd tie them in bundles of five or ten. Uh, and then we'd ship them uh, cold storage or uh, cold semi across the United States and Canada. But the thing about the nursery business is, you know, like you mentioned, it is seasonal. So you know, there's a season where you plant the trees. There's a season where you, you know, you're gonna bud the trees. Then there's a season where you're just kind of taking care of the trees. Then there's digging season and then there's shipping season. In the nursery industry, it's very unique. So you ship out all your trees, uh, which is actually just getting about to start right now. I was talking to my brother yesterday and they're just getting ready to start shipping out. So they're still, goes, they're still running the business? Oh yeah, so oh, okay. uh, business is still around. Uh, my brother and uh, father run it, uh, or you know, my brother really runs it and, and my dad, um, you know, is uh, kind of uh, still a partner in it, semi-retired, lives in uh, Bend, which is the high desert that I mentioned. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> and um, so that's just getting ready to start. Now, you, you you know, grow the trees, take care of the trees, you know, for, for, you know, the majority of the year, then you ship from, you know, about late January all the way into, uh, you know, at the very end of March, April's really the cutoff point because all the trees and things start waking back up. And so if they're not planted back into the, you know, into the ground, they're just, they're not going to make it. They're no good. And, you know, then you have to burn them and get, get rid of them. But once, once you sell all of that, then you spend the rest of the year waiting for the money to come in. So it's not like your traditional, you know, where you have cash flow year round, where you, you know, you sell a product, you get paid, you sell a product, you get paid. You literally sell a product for three to four months. And then you wait the rest of the year for all that money to come in and do it all over again. It's like far, it's any kind of farm, like cattle farming, yeah. the same thing. You t yeah, that's crazy. It's very, very interesting. So at what age did you really start helping out? Uh, I would say I remember working, you know, once I started being in high school, the summers, you know, in high school, so 14, 15 years old. Okay. Was you, when I was involved. I mean, I was on the farm. It, my my 10th birthday was a shotgun for you know for duck hunting out out on the tree farm you know i mean we were out in the farm as early as i can remember but as far as like working you know in the field with the guys 14 15 years old Dang. that's, that's awesome. awesome that's that's hard work i would imagine very much it's very hard work very hard. uh you know i mean i i look back and uh truly appreciate those days because uh you know my work ethic comes from that kind of work experience you know i mean nowadays you couldn't you couldn't pay a 14 or 15 year old enough money to actually get in the that. field and do that kind of work and so you know it it definitely instills a uh you know a certain kind of drive in you 
to you know to be able to work. If they didn't, <laughs> if they in, in Indiana, if we didn't have a job during the summer, we could always jump on trucks in the cornfields and harvest corn. And you literally would stand in the back of a trailer, each that we'd have rows on each side of the trailer, and that it would literally go down, and you'd just be husking corn. It was really hard work, and it was really hot. But you made really good money. They pay the kids pretty for what we thought was good money, right? But it's hard, so for, hard for, work. For, for Indiana, you're like 14, so this is like 1920, so it's like what, 10 cents a day? Am I doing the math right? Well, it's probably, pretty familiar to what you're used yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say, probably <laughs> really equivalent to the pesos that you would make right now in Mexico if you were doing the same thing in 2018. Oh, you did open up that. Oh, you are the one that opened up that entire can of shit right there, brother. Hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. So no one, so no one probably really knew that much about you in that regard. But also, you were a burner in high school too. Like you had some speed. You were an athlete. Like you were. Uh, was track like your main focus? Like what's up with yeah, that? Yeah, you know, uh, I played. Uh, I played baseball all up until high school. Um, you know, my dad is a huge, huge baseball fan, and lo- the Yankees are his team. Literally in my uh, in my baby book. Uh, in 1978, one of the things that he wrote were that the Yankees won the World Series, and he was so obviously excited about that. So, you know, baseball was, I was, was his born thing. too. That's pretty yeah. cool. But, uh, but the Yankees, but the Yankees won, the won the World Series. You know, so Way to go, Dad. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he always was uh, big into baseball. He was a uh, our coach. Uh, a lot of uh, you know little league and and uh, you know going going through that. But one, I, I was always fast as a kid uh, and. So once I got into high school, you know, I realized that that was something that I was I was going to be way better at track than I was going to be at baseball. And obviously they're in the same exact season, so you really can't do both. Uh, so I gravitated towards track and, 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 you know, I'm glad that I did. It was it was a, a great experience. <clears throat> Would you say that that experience as an athlete um, translated somehow to, you know, what you do now? Well, that and, you know, that hard work growing up, I'd imagine, sure. all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think track is a unique sport in, in a couple of senses. One, you really, you know, you don't have a, a tool necessarily like you would, you know, in baseball. I've got a bat, I've got a glove, I've got, you know, I have things to help me do this. It's literally my body, you know, that that is going to, you know, get me to succeed. So I have to push that to the absolute limit. And the unique thing about track, which does correlate uh, directly to sales and, you know, and, and, and my life, is not only is it an individual sport, but you're also, it's a team sport. You know, you're, you're, you're competing as a team for the whole meet, but in your events, you're competing one-on-one with the people around you. So just like sales, you know, yeah, I'm out there on the sales floor and individually I want to be the best, but I also want my team to succeed. So I have to contribute, you know, to, mm-hmm. to have that, uh, you know, not just individual drive, but like to make sure my team does well. That's Track's a pretty cool sport. Like I, I was not a track athlete by any stretch of the imagination. I've you don't say. A, you don't say. Uh, you weren't good at shot put or discus or anything, Rodina? Thrown something? No, you weren't good at throwing anything? No, but uh, I did get to run in one meet because my high school football coach was the track coach. And he uh, he wanted all the football players to run track. And he wanted, I was a linebacker, so he wanted us to run like the 100 and 200, 200 to make yep. as fast as possible. And I got to run in one event. I ran the 200 as a JV event, right? And I was the only one not in the proper stance. I was standing up, and there were seven runners. 
and I actually finished fourth, which I was super happy about because all the guys, this is what they, this was their event, right? And I was just trying to get as fast as possible uh, for my position in football. But something about it, man, you're racing other people. It's just you against them. It's, it was pretty cool. So I can, I can imagine it must have been really cool when, if you were actually good at it. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I have a couple of experience about running and like getting away and stuff like that. <laughs> Across the border We'll talk about stuff. that in a second here. And sometimes I think that, you know, we get too much into the crossing the border jokes. I just want to say, my friend, you know, I am completely, let me see, let me check my... Oh, here he goes. He's grabbing the wall. Let's see the papers. I am. Let's you're see. a citizen, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> but, oh, you're not? But, but, but should we make I should am. We that? Let's see. Read it and weep. Read it and we, who's that this guy? You. That's, That's me. That's who's not that? You. Okay, so you got this in downtown Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. Like, United States of America. Uh, you should have used that for birth. permanent <laughs> residence. This uh, doesn't look, this picture looks like. Yep, and it cost me a whole lot of freaking memorization and uh, pretending to know where I'm I, sure you know more about the United States. Like here's the thing, man. In LA, <laughs> I met a lot of people that were coming and going, right? And I actually from all over the world, and they were trying to get citizenship and green cards, this, that, and the other. And they told me all the, like, what they had to do to get this. Oh, yeah. And they were asking me questions about my own country, and I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> Like, shit, I didn't know, like, half the stuff they were rambling off. You know what would be great? If we ever do an episode on immigration, that would be great, man. Like, the, the backstories of immigration, like, what people go through. And not just, because immigration is a huge subject, not just for America. Everybody immigrated. Like, Europe here, right? immigration, you know? Like, your immigration back in the days. That would be a good episode to do one day. Potentially. Right? Yeah. So, going back to our feature presentation here. Um, so, I mean, you you grew up in basically in the forest, Lord of the Rings, and elves, and there's right, rain. That, that was what you said. I didn't say any of that. There was no elves. There was no Lord of the Rings. Forest, yes. Essentially. Flying dragons. And you ran for a living. I mean, this is like... From the dragons. For a living. From the Again, dragons. we're talking about you. And you beat them with trees. <laughs> Maybe I should pay attention to when we're interviewing people. Yeah. But with that being said, um, how Not do you... Not just go? anybody. This is the newly titled... Oh. Director of Expansion for what is the best digital marketing agency in all of... Is it? Does it make you nervous that you have to expand Fuck all yeah. the way into the universe? I mean, we're the best in the galaxy. I don't, know, I don't know what planets we're going to, but I guess maybe we should... I mean, there's some pressure. You know, how'd you even get into digital marketing? Before we go there, answer that one. I'm sure there's some pressure. No, honestly, I, I don't feel pressure whatsoever. I, I, I enjoy what I do, I have done it before. So it's the way that I look at it as, <clears throat> I wanna have uniformity across all of the offices. And I feel like that's one thing that, you know, we, we kind of expanded very quickly and we didn't really have that uniformity. So mm -hmm. now I have the chance to kind of go in and, and bring my uh, organization, or organizational skills into making sure that as we expand, not only do we expand logical position as a company, but we expand logical position as a brand. And so we have brand guidelines, we have brand uniformity across all of the offices. So it's not, uh, oh man, that office is really cool, but this one isn't that cool. It's No, they're all cool. They're all the same because they're all structured kind of the same way, but just in a different location. That's awesome. And this is what I, what I try to and what I've tried to so much, but I'm kind of weaning off a little bit because I feel like I'm starting to sound like a broken record. As far as the moment in time for logical position, right? And how that God's honest truth, how cool it is. Like I worked for 24 Hour Fitness 
in the early 2000s, you know, a few years prior to the owner selling the company for almost $2 billion. So I got to see right at the, like the finality of that. And I was thinking the whole entire time, damn, I wish I could have gotten here early, like 10 years prior, right? Uh And then I worked for another very successful fitness franchise that was trying to explode and we were one of the best in the world and we did grow by 400% in the time that I was there, but it stalled, right? So I, and every, we all ended up leaving um, for the most part, except the owners, obviously, and the people, the new people they hired. But like, if you're 23 years old, 24 years old, 25 years old, you're in your 20s yeah. and you're in a logical position, you just, it's hard for you to understand what is happening What's right now yeah. and how cool of a moment it really is. This company, five years from now, it's going to be way different. It's just a great experience to go through in life. Yeah. I mean, not only are you attached yourself to one of the best in the business, you know, what, you know, from, you know, what employees say and what clients say, but to see a company grow and like, there's so many entrepreneurs that are probably listening to this, yeah. like to be able to experience and to really see how it's done. I, I, I really don't want that to be lost on the young the young, you know, our young teammates that, that, that may be like, eh, you know, what do I want to do? You know, I mean, this is a moment that's, that's, I really feel like they will finally look back on and be like, I hope they understand like how precious it really is. What, what Rodino is trying to say is that if you right now are hearing this conversation and you're in the space where this conversation still makes any sense and you're, you're still with us, you're in this team, you have to be aware of self-awareness right what moment in time are you are you occupying what's going on in the organization that you're a part of an integral part of right um yeah it's very exciting it's, it's pretty, pretty cool exciting. but it's how cool. about we take it right back to our main attraction today and i'm just gonna ask how do you go my friend from one end of the spectrum to the other how do you go from growing trees to all the way Helping people's dreams come Yeah, how do you jump into e-commerce. digital marketing? Where did that even start for you? So it, that's an actually interesting story. So uh, again, as I mentioned, the nursery business being what it is, uh, in 2007, eight, if you don't remember, we had a pretty good crash in the economy uh, that really affected the housing first. Well, you gotta understand when a housing market gets affected, that has a direct hit on the nursery industry because nothing gets completed until it's landscaped. So when the housing market's booming and everything's going great, landscaping and trees and all of those things are big business. Makes sense. So we don't, we're not growing or, or selling a widget that we can stop production and just move into something different. Uh, you know, these things are in the ground. We've already spent money to buy them. We've spent money to take care of them. It's years in the making. And we got hit with kind of a perfect storm. There was uh, an emerald ash borer that came over from China and it came over. uh, So it's an actual bug uh, that came over in bamboo from China. And a lot of nurseries use bamboo to to, uh, keep the tree Mm -hmm. straight. Uh, so this em- emerald ash borer came over from China, and it literally decimated oh, the ash crop of trees across the nation, really starting in the East Coast. So the year prior to that, 
we planted our biggest ash crop that we'd ever planted because ash trees one were really easy to grow they were very abundant and everybody wanted what is them. what do they look like i'm sorry i don't it's hard to describe i mean you know i mean it's what is your, it used for yeah what is it's it just, just landscaping it's just decoration just, yeah. Yeah, i mean it's you know it's mostly shade tree um that some of them have really beautiful fall colors uh and you know it, it was just a great tree but they're very they were a very resilient tree hmm. so you know they were a very popular tree uh <clears throat> So we literally uh, had a ban to ship those trees. The states would say, we don't, we don't want them. Wow. We had orders filled that we had to just burn because they didn't want them. They were literally on the East Coast making them dig the trees out of the nurseries and burn the trees to try to get rid Couldn't of them. Couldn't even sell for firewood? Well, no, and here's the interesting part is it, uh, it actually spread through, uh, through firewood because... Uh. People were bringing it, you know, to, you know, firewood was moving around Absolutely. and that just helped it spread even more. So it just became so rampant that they just literally, you know, put a, put a moratorium on it. At the same time, another huge crop was red sunset maple. Uh, and that was a tree that, that uh, every nursery, you know, grew and every nursery sold a bunch of. Well, every nursery overplanted it that year as well, uh, or the year prior to that as well. So there was a glut of that on the market. So now your two biggest sellers, you can't really sell. Mm -hmm. And the economy is taking a hit. So, you know, just in general, the nursery industry is on a decline. And, you know, I really watched that happen. And I didn't like that feeling of not having any control over my destiny. I was in an industry that I'm literally um, bound by what's happening to the industry and at the time I was I was introduced to digital marketing uh, through a couple of guys that uh, I went to uh, college with the fraternity brothers that had started their own digital marketing company mm -hmm. and so uh, I went you know I was very interested in it and you got to understand this is the era of you know, Facebook's just coming out. Yeah. The whole, yep. the whole. Oh my gosh, this is bigger. You know, going to be this huge. Is 2009? This is about 2008, 2009. Right. Um, <clears throat> is is when I got introduced to it. Dude, in 2008, I was in Oregon for the Barack Obama for America campaign. Were you in the waterfront when the Senator Obama was up there? I'm gonna guess no. I was no. That I'm was gonna guess no. no. I mean, I was probably working. Probably <laughs> I didn't have time to just hang out and do that kind of Dude, stuff. Dude, I was actually working, okay? We got the guy elected, so just want to say that. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> we might have passed, we might have passed each other at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Possible. Two ships Small sailing world. in the night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I like you, man, but yeah. Uh, so anyway. Um, you would have been above, what do they call it, decks? You would have been, a, we would have. Would you have been smuggling? Would you have been on below deck if you're in the boat? What, what are you talking about? I don't know. The boats? I think it's another... Uh, yeah, it was I think we're talking about the board. I, I'm just... You started it. This is on the internet, okay? So I'm pretty sure point, as long as you don't realize, edit it out, you, they're going to hear you make ageism jokes. I, you know what? What, what else? We're, we're going to have this conversation later. Can we just right, get back to the director okay. of expansion? So, so anyway, anyways, uh, I was instantly intrigued by the endless uh, uh, growth of the industry. And, and I realized 
this is something that is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And at, in 2009, you got to understand a lot of a lot of businesses don't even know about Google, don't know about Google marketing, like uh, Google AdWords. You know, at the time, they they had no idea. So initially, when I got into it, my lead list was literally the phone book and anybody that was advertising in the phone book with a half or full page ad was paying five to ten thousand dollars a month to be in the phone book and so i was calling these people and i was talking to them about you need to get on google you need to you know have ads on google and they're just you know they're just going what do you, you know what is that why would we pay money to who's do, using that and you're talking to a lot of business owners who at the time are older you know they're they're not they're not there yet they're not even thinking about being there yet so it, i just saw the vision of how far this was going to go and i wanted to be a part of it think about that for a second we're talking about a 10 year span from from crazy. then until now we don't even have phone books. I was going to ask, do we still have phone books? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they still distribute to a certain degree. Nobody looks at, like, the phone books used to be, you know, hey, we joke about when I grew up, right? The phone books used to be huge. Yeah. And now if you look at a phone book, it's super thin. Like, yeah. there's nobody there's no fillers. Yet. It's just, you know, whoever they list it numbers. It doesn't make sense anymore. Ten years. Just so it. what happens ten years from now? I want to know how how that experience was with the friends that you knew from like your fraternity days, that business, what you what you were really doing there, and then how did you make your way to a logical position and what's and huge differences, small differences? Well, and it's it's an interesting story. Um, and and you know, I'm I'm kinda unique in the sense that if at the time, obviously, if you saw me on paper, uh, I nobody would have hired me. You know, I mean Unless they wanted some trees. And even then, nobody wanted trees. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, that, that was the sheer reality is it was a scary time for everybody because you didn't know if you were going to have a job. You know? So, and, and trust me, it took me about six months to actually get in with the company, even though they were guys that were fraternity brothers, things like that, um, guys I went to college with that I knew. Uh, they weren't just gonna hire anybody and everybody they were very uh, picky about who they hired and um, I knew one of the guys better than the other and you know he kind of was like well let's you know give this guy a shot after literally six months of email and call and trying you know they said well you know he's pretty persistent he's been doing this now for six months and he's got us all talking about him so let's give him a shot and so I came in and I had never you know done anything outside of the family business and trust me there's a lot of securities with a family business so it was not an easy decision to leave but I realized that the only way that I'm gonna you know have my own destiny in my hands is if I do leave and if I'm going to leave my one skill set that I know that I'm good at that uh, is sales and I want to be able to sell something that one I believe in and two is never going to be obsolete Marketing's never going anywhere and it's gone digital. And, uh, you know, if you're a salesperson and you have a quality product, you're always going to be able to sell it. Um, and so I had both of those things with digital marketing and I went uh, in feet first. And, uh, you know, I, I worked very hard at it. And uh, the first year was pretty successful. I was able to kind of uh, end up creating a branch for that company that uh, focused on the auto industry 
And now, uh, you know, that's about 80%, 85% of their business is auto industry where they didn't even have that vision or focus before I, you know, kind of created that. You kind of brought this new awareness, yeah. A yeah. little, a little, a little trick out there for whoever's listening that might be starting their own business or growing their own business or maybe someone hears this five years from now and you know you're you're expanding your team and it has some sales wrapped around it eric was an athlete he was a good athlete and that's one of the things i always focused on was taught to me when i was hiring salespeople and training salespeople is if they had no sales experience but they were an athlete and they could communicate like communicate clearly like i made just now uh athletes athletes sometimes are really good salespeople. I think it's just because of their perseverance, they know how to work hard, they're driven. So let that be a lesson to you for all those entrepreneurs out there maybe trying to grow a sales team. So essentially this is the first time you're working with in digital marketing. This is like hundred percent I never knew anything. I I never I I will admit this and uh, it's kind of funny, but I didn't even know what Google Chrome was at that point. Now, mind you, it was a newer, you know, newer thing, but I mean, I got to learn so much in that first year, yeah. and I was working with younger people that that this was kind of some of the stuff was second nature, some of the stuff was new to us and we were all kind of learning together, but we all had that energy. I mean, it was your true startup company. My first day on the job, I put my own desk and chair together. Like that was the first wow. day. How many? Know? How many? How many were part of your guys' team? At that time, I would say maybe sixteen, eighteen. And they're still around. Uh some of them, yeah. Some of them. That's so funny because today was our sales meeting, right? And yeah. We, we, now we have what five hundred people? Five over five? Yeah, five hundred. <laughs> that was sixteen people. That's, 16. Well, no, no, that's what that they was, started with. Right, right, right. I'm, that's but what no, I'm that was this was a different company. Different company. Right? This is so. How long? This is the first. This was my first introduction. Are we speaking? Are we speaking? Are we speaking are too we, fast? Should no. We, do you want us to? Should we? I don't think uh, you guys are picking way? up. What should I'm we? Down. No, I understand. What, I understand exactly what. Should so we start? Should pre, we speak Spanish? This is pre. This is pre LP. Got it. This is pre LP. Pre LP. Mm-hmm. So this was my introduction into digital marketing. How long were you with this company, and how did you transition, and why did you transition to logical position? How did all that go down? So, um, <clears throat> it, I was with the company for two years. In the second year, they brought a controller in and uh, they wanted to you know, change a bunch of things around. Number one was the comp plan. Um, and you know, they changed it about three times within one year. And you know, we only had three salespeople. So it really only affected the three of us, but the company wasn't built by uh, sales-driven people. It was built by you know, a guy who was a, form- a lawyer and a, and a guy who was a tinkerer builder, you know, he was the AdWords SEO um, guru, he knew all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So these guys, neither one of them had a sales background and understood the importance of sales. So obviously when you don't understand that, you don't understand how to incentivize that or how to you know, really promote that. Uh, so we were not aligned as far as that went and I knew what I was offering and um, at, at partway along the road, one of my mentors that I ended up meeting, Tim McNamara, uh, was brought in. Uh, he was in radio uh, for you know probably 25 years before this, uh, and uh, came in uh, and ran radio when radio was in its prime, uh, and came in as kind of a VP of sales role, uh, and. <clears throat> 
he was really trying to get them to understand the importance of sales and they really never did. So he ended up leaving there and uh, was offered the general manager role at Intercom Radio uh, in Portland. And there's 23 clusters nationwide and he was gonna run the Portland cluster. Uh, so he you know, always said, hey, you know, I, I know you're not happy there. Do you want to come work here? I, you've always got a place with me. I've always seen what you've been able to do, that kind of stuff. And again, that's why he's one of my mentors because he always believed in me, always kind of pushed me. Uh, so he brought me into Intercom uh, to be their digital marketing kind of specialist. So I was going to teach the sales floor about digital marketing, going to kind of get that in there. Well, we needed a, thir a third party vendor to do the fulfillment. So at this time, I obviously wasn't going to use the old company I worked with. Um, so uh, at, I knew of Logical Position and I knew the things that they were doing. Uh, I knew Tony Palazzo uh, and Mike Winehouse, both from high school. Uh, we went to high school together and uh, reached out to Tony and said, hey, look, if we're able to sell this, can you guys white label it and do the work for us? So he said, yeah, you know, you guys sell it. So I would go on sales calls and we would, you know, talk to people about digital marketing. The problem was uh, with the radio people, they didn't, they were somewhat greedy where if I'm selling you airtime, you're going to pay for all of the airtime. If I'm selling you digital marketing, you're going to pay a percentage of the management fee, but you're going to pay Google for the ad spend. So they didn't understand why would I give up you know, a potential commission for, um, you know, a client uh, that's going to be paying Google the majority of it and I'm just going to get a small stipend when I could get a percentage of, you know, $5,000 worth of airtime. What they didn't understand was these clients aren't going to last because digital is going to take over. And that was kind of my role, but nobody there really wanted to accept that role. They couldn't role. see the future. They couldn't see the future. They couldn't, the dollars didn't make sense at the time. They couldn't see that their industry was dying. <clears throat> yes. Vision. And yeah. trust me, during that year, it was a tough year. I watched that place downsize. I watched, you know, I watched multiple people that had been there for 15, 20, you know, plus years get laid off and, um, you know, things like that because it was, it just wasn't what it once was. And so I had an opportunity to present to the president and CEO of Intercom uh, and present why he should utilize logical position in all of the markets as this white label uh, company. And Mike Winehouse uh, sat in on that meeting and I ran the presentation, I ran the meeting and I you know, was kind of handling the, you know, the, the why we should do this. And you know, when we left, we wa I walked Mike out to his car and he said, hey look, you, know, you ever are interested, I have an opportunity for you. And I said, you know, the opportunity makes sense. I'm always willing to listen. And so uh, fast forward uh, about six months, eight months, uh, he mentioned, we, we had lunch and he mentioned that they were thinking about opening up a satellite sales office in Nevada and they were looking for somebody to be the general manager. So <clears throat> he said, would I be interested in, in doing that? And, you know, we, we kind of talked back and forth and, you know, we, uh, there was obviously things that we needed to be ironed out. And uh, at the end of the day, I remember just thinking, wow, this, it, these guys know what they're doing. This is, this company's going somewhere. They've got a great product and they really care. Like listening to Mike and John talk 
they really care about the product and the people that not only are the clients, but the people that work for them. And I just felt a sense of, wow, these guys, you know, I, I have a good feeling about this. And so, um, you know, I, I ultimately made the decision to uh, sell my house, move out here and, and give it a go. And, you know, it was really unproven. It was a very kind of scary time uh, because it was, there wasn't really a, a roadmap or a, a handbook of, okay, here's how you do it. It was kind of, well, go down there, hire some people and start a sales force. And, you know, I took that challenge on and within six months, we had literally broken every sales record that they had at the time. Uh, <laughs> and, awesome. you know, we did it with a skeleton crew and it was just true grit and, and grind. And, and also I was, I was very proud of that. That's, awesome. That's super awesome. What, huh? what we, I don't want to overlook here is what's crazy is if you had not been able to see, yeah, it's great, logic, you've had a good feeling about logical position, but there had to be some, there's some idea in the back of your head too that this was the future and where you were, what they were, how they were deciding to make choices was probably not gonna be beneficial in the future. So you were able to make a decision based on that feeling. Had you not made that choice, we, there's a how would this happen? How this would we all be having a conversation? Just, Where would Martine be? Where would I be? Like I this office may home. not even yeah. exist. And I know that's like would not not may would not exist. Like literally. So thank you for having the the, well, the foresight. I don't want to take all the credit for that. I think you know Mike and John are smart guys, and they would have figured out a way to expand. You know, regardless, I think um, you know I was fortunate enough to play kind of an integral role in the beginning, and from there we learned a lot um, by trial and error on how to expand into mm -hmm. the new offices. And, and it's been you know an evolution. And now that I'm into this role, uh, the main reason why I got it is because, you know, one, I did it you know, from, from scratch. And <clears throat> two, they see that um, I have the organizational, excuse me, skills to, uh, and the vision to, you know, replicate that in multiple markets. So um, that's awesome, by the way. So on that train of thought, um, you, you're now in this new role. Uh, what's the official title? Uh, Director of Sales Expansion. Director of Sales Expansion. And you would definitely be the right person to do that since you're the first person to open a satellite office. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, what are the biggest challenges, man, when expanding a business like of this type? Uh, I would say because I'm the kind of person that is very detailed and likes to be very hands-on, uh, a lot of the process is somewhat out of your control. Uh, so for instance, um, if we negotiate uh, a contract and you know they tell us, okay, well the build out's gonna take two months and you're gonna be done by this time, uh, you know, I mean, all I can take them at is face value. I mean, I can't literally get there and swing the hammer. I can't make the job move any faster. So if they don't meet those deadlines and I'm trying to, there's so many moving parts that are involved. I gotta, I gotta make sure that furniture is gonna be in at a certain time. Uh, it's gotta be in before the electrical inspection, but it's gotta be in after the carpet. The carpet's gotta be there before, you know. So to be able to uh, make sure that all of these things are getting done on multiple projects in a systematic manner is the toughest part because you know 
monkey wrenches get thrown in and, and you can't control them, you can just adapt and always have uh, a contingency plan. Yeah, I see that. Um, so in that, in that same scenario, um, what, out of all those options, because you gotta, you know, you gotta find the right people, you gotta make sure the office is set, obviously you have a certain date where you're supposed to start operations, right? You gotta pick the city. Like how do you, I mean, we're looking at different cities. There's so many cities in the United States. Yeah, so the next one's what? Uh, we're going for? Chandler, Arizona. Arizona. Chandler. That's really, it's it's close just, to Ahwatukee. It's, I feel uh, like it's right there. It's just. 15 um, minutes from Tempe? It's uh, southeast of Phoenix. Chandler's nice. I feel like it's really, I, it's, I for a I mean, brief it's kind moment. of like Vegas a lot where, yeah. you know, everything's pretty close. Vegas and Henderson, you know, we're about 20 minutes apart. Phoenix and Chandler would be about 20, 25 minutes apart. You know, it's not, it's a similar kind of layout as, mm. as Nevada. So, um, you know, Logica's position has been now for, what, 10 years? This is 10 years of the yep. company? 2009, 2019, 10 All years. Right. We yeah. have a 10-year anniversary sometime this year. I believe we, we will. That's going to be pretty cool. The math makes sense. Yeah. I'm a mathematician. <laughs> obviously so for the next five years man this company is going somewhere obviously technology is never going to stop nope. I mean we are I mean we can't say this on the phone but we I mean we're just talking here just you know three times a billion friends having a conversation billions here, of listeners right so um, we're the best we're just the best we're, we're the best at what we do you know we're going to be here for a while technology is never stopping you know we're, it's just going to keep expanding I think Moore's Law is done by the way, but uh, with that being said, like even hardware being done, software is just going to keep going, right? We're mm -hmm. always going to expand. Now, you know, there's things coming right up, right out of the gate, AR, VR, all that stuff. Where are we going five years from now, man? We, right, how many offices do we have now? Uh, we are in uh, Portland, Nevada, Chicago, Denver, Austin, uh, Charlotte, and soon to be Arizona. So and we have multiple offices in Portland. So, I mean, it's seven technical uh, states, but, you know, about nine locations. So, so we're definitely not gonna stop. So five years from now, uh, let's say 10 years from now. Let's do, let's do five. Okay, let's do five. Where are we five years from now? Where do you think we might be? I mean, you're the right person to ask. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, at the end of the day, that vision comes from Mike and John. Um, you know, are we gonna continue to expand? Uh, yes, of course we are. We're going to expand in the United States. I would say the next expansion is going to be international. Um, you know, I think there's some opportunities internationally for us to, you know, for us to get into. You know, still internationally, it's this type of marketing is in its infancy. So right. <clears throat> a lot of opportunity with regards to that uh, that, you know, that I think we'll be able to capitalize on. Are we looking at WAM maybe? Uh, it's hard to say. Because I mean, <laughs> Guam's I, right there, man. I yeah, mean, yeah. Are you yeah. saying Guam? I, I, yeah, I thought that's Guam. what he was trying to say. I thought he said mom. At first. Is this like the J and the Y? Is this oh, like Yasha? This is like this is a press episode. He just gave me crap. About I don't that. think you probably heard. Did you listen to the? You should. That's a episode, good episode. This Jacob. Is, uh, we had Jacob Roden on. Roden on. Hilarious. Guam is uh, makes it's sense. Guam. Uh, oh, excuse me. Guam. Yes. Makes perfect sense. You know the. That's not international. It's not international. It's still part really of. Really is still part of the. United it's part of the United well, States. And it's true. not very big. Either. It's a territory. That's I have true. friends from Guam. That is very true. Great place. I guess I'm thinking like civilization, like like if I'm gonna. International, go, like, uh, like Mexico. Or Latin America, I would say. Not Canada. Mexico, Mexico's one city, or Canada. 
or Africa. Europe. Europe. Makes sense. What's the bigger player? Do we know, like, players up there? Or? Um, I mean, Europe's obviously more into the game than any of those other above right. mentioned. Uh, but uh, as far as international goes, I'm not... You know, I and kind I of liberty to say. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to get on a plane it. and help with that expansion, or are you just I mean, focused if we on domestic? I'm gonna probably wow, that's get cool. On a plane and be part of that. Nothing like getting miles. Yeah. <laughs> Earning miles. So uh, at this point, I mean, I, the question I have to ask, man, and and the reason why I'm ask, I'm gonna ask this guys, we had the uh, the logical Palooza, and you know, we were all just kicking it there. My question is, man, what's up with your dog, dude? Why, why is he so mean, man? Your dog was ferocious. He was ferocious. Well, you know, one, he was a shelter dog. He was <laughs> he was abused. And oh, so, you know, I did adopt him. Uh, but, you know, he's a lot like me. You know, once you get to know him, he'll uh, protect you with his life. But uh, until then, he's a little apprehensive. You know, I, I don't quite trust the guy with the ponytail. Yeah. By the way, it's not a ponytail. <laughs> It's a man bun, man. I thought a, a man bun is for the top. It's not for the back. I don't no, know I'm how. Still, I'm still growing it. This is like a midway man bun. Midway ponytail. <laughs> well, we have the director expansion in the house. I'm going to throw this out there. I think it's one of the first things I asked you when I first came on board here. I'm super happy in Vegas. I love this city. I wanted to come here for like eight years. I finally got here. I, I want to. Don't know the backstory. I want to hang out. It's been seven episodes, and I still don't know where the hell this guy came from. Los Angeles. But he mentions the Philippines. He mentions some shit he was doing over there. He I don't think I ever visited. talked about the Philippines. No, Thailand, I think is what Oh, Thailand, you're right, you're right. You're right. Yeah. A little different. A little different. Uh, Miami, South Florida, director of expansion. Trust Let's me if just put that on the back burner because I want to be in Vegas for a good five years. <laughs> but I can see myself getting tired of Las Vegas. I'm going to win a couple of World Series of Poker bracelets. He said that. I'm going to get a spot at the Vidara, and I'm going to enjoy this place for a little bit. But eventually, I'm probably going to be in South Florida. Is there any plans? And if not, can we, and if there are, can we just keep that in mind? Not that you are in any way, shape, or form give a shit about your expansion and Rodino's goals uh, of where, you know, where I get to live. Well, I but. can tell you John Ganey has always uh, had a sweet spot for Florida and uh, has wanted to have an office there. Uh, but, you know, the, nothing is out of the question as far as where the location is going to be. Obviously, personnel has to make sense, uh, you know, for, for the right fit. But, um, you know, I mean, I think uh, Miami uh, or, you know, Florida in general is a very similar demographic to Las Vegas. Uh, so I, you know, can see it being successful there. And we do need more uh, branches or, you know, we'd like to have more branches on the East Coast and in that time zone. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Five years. Yeah, and uh, I guess for my final question is, what are the what are the chances of us getting an Xbox in this office? Ferdinand just won an Xbox today. What are the and chances? He already has an Xbox, so maybe you should so just bring it could in be here. You're talking to the wrong guy, right here, man. You're talking to the wrong guy. Why are you Shout talking out to Ferdinand? Ferdinand, we need your Xbox. Do we? Well, time out. <laughs> We're trying to break records in this office. We're trying to compete to be the best office in the entire company. Do we really need a fucking Xbox? It would help. 
What you is? think it would help, or you think it might slow us down? <laughs> I don't know. These are the type of questions we're going to address in the next episode of the 1202. I uh, just want to thank, uh, you know, Eric Spear for being our prime host for this season. And we'll talk to you guys next season. Well, I'm kidding. Second episode. He joined us for the first one. He Here he is for man. this one. It's not always do we have an opportunity to get somebody in here that's as established, is a director, been there, done that. For all of you out there listening, we all have an opportunity to sit in a chair much like Eric. All you have to do is stay the course, work hard, yep. believe in the vision. Yeah. One last question, Eric, just popped into my mind right now. Yes. If future entrepreneurs that don't work with our organization, they just like found this because they, you know, they like the tag or whatever the case, what would you tell somebody that's about about to launch something, about to start something, or is in the middle of working with something. What would you, you know, kind of say? Because you've had a good relationship. I mean, you knew. I mean, this is you kind of you knew Mike and John coming on. Like, I mean, to a certain degree, you were right there in the very beginning. And building this office itself is an endeavor. So, what's what? It, like, what? Are there any secrets you could throw out there to someone that might be, you know? No, I think I think the biggest uh, thing would be to take the risk you know you're never going to get the reward unless you take the risk I could have easily stayed and and mind you uh, uh, this is something that I didn't mention but at the time when I had already basically told Mike and John that I'm going to you know I'm going to do this uh, intercom serendipitously approached me at the same time and their VP of uh, I, I don't remember his exact title but he uh, was going to be heading up their digital um, department. And so instead of hmm. utilizing a third party, they decided they were gonna bring this whole thing in house and they wanted me to stay in Portland and, and basically run a sales team and essentially do the same thing there. And I'll tell you, if I would have done that, it would have been to simply to take the easy way out because I knew in my heart that the, the product itself would not have been as good mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have been as confident to sell it because digital marketing is, and as I'm sure you've seen when, we, when we're making these calls and we've done these reviews with people that are working with other competitors, yeah. that the, the thing that really does make us different and the thing that really sets us apart is the actual work that we do. We do the work and we care. That's why our retention is so good. That's why we do so well. That's why we continue to grow is because of the product. We've never sacrificed the product for financial gain, for you know any other reason. And I saw that and that's why I took the risk. Trust me. I sold my house, I moved to Vegas. That's I never crazy. thought I would ever do that. I never, in my wildest dreams, if you could have told me in your 30s, you're gonna sell your house, you're gonna move to Las Vegas, never would have thought that. But I saw the opportunity to not only grow with logical position, but to be a part of something big. And that's why I made that decision. I could have taken the easy road and stayed in Portland and, and done something similar. Now, would the outcome have been the same? 100% no. But I took the risk and always take the risk because that's the only way you're really going to get the end. Always take the risk. It's amazingly important. We appreciate you joining us and coming to the neighborhood today. My one final thought, don't forget the tacos tomorrow. Yes, please. That, that would rock. I already ordered.
And that is that.